What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity, inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi everybody, welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm UB, and I am the Latino white guy of the group. I'm Nina, I am the woman of color in the group. And I'm Mike, I'm uh, the blind guy. Hey everybody, welcome back to Choose Inclusion. This is UB. I am, as always, here with my co-hosts, Mike and Nina. Hello, team. Hello, everyone. Hello, Nina and Ubaldo. How are you this afternoon? Good. We're uh, recording on a Friday before the election, so <laughs> no matter the outcome, we hope everybody is safe and healthy and happy with their choice. I don't know what else to say. And anxiety has been uh, taken off the radar, too. I don't yeah, know. Something, right? I <laughs> There's a lot of anxiety right now. I can say that. That is true. So we'll see. But what, what we're really excited um, today, we have two great guests, uh, husband and wife team, uh, co-founders of an organization called Key Hubs in, in Minneapolis, and uh, really fascinating story about serendipity and connections. And that's what we're going to talk about as it relates to George Floyd. Um, so, but first I want to introduce Priya and Vikas Narula. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having us here. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, it, speaking of connections, like this is kind of how it all started. Um, so my, my college roommate, Patrick Donahue lives in Minneapolis, and he um, had uh, he, he uh, designed and launched a, an entrepreneurial event that Priya was in attendance at, and Priya talked, uh, gave this story um, related to Vikas and George Floyd, and our uh, the my business partner Joe Thurman was there in attendance as well, and so then that connection happened to bring us to this point. Um, and then there's more connections we'll get into, uh, because it's just fascinating. But I, first of all, tell us a little bit about, uh, Key Hubs and, and what's going on. What are you guys doing with, with that organization? Sure. Yeah. Priya, do you want to go? Um, sure. Either one of us can go. Um, yeah, Key Hubs, we specialize in, um, you know, giving the self-awareness and awareness to others. Um, we're a software and services uh, company. And through the, I would say, 12 years of journey, uh, we have learned um, how people kind of, you know, must hang out in their own little bubbles and uh, try not to get out of their comfort zones and uh, make new connections and, you know, mingle with the other crowds or other people who don't look like them or, you know, feel like them. Anyway, so I would go back to, you know, um, five years ago, Vikas and I learned this very clearly, and he actually ended up doing a TEDx talk, which he can talk about it, um, at the MCTC, which is a school here. Um, through that school, we learned how uh, it's a different world, how, uh, you know, there's a whole group of uh, um, disparities and, you know, socioeconomical, um, you know, change and um, 
it, it's just a total different part of Minneapolis, which we weren't exposed to it. So after Vikasa started teaching there, uh, we kind of learned that and we wanted to do something about it. And that's when we started to kind of get out of our comfort zones and meet people, connect with people who we didn't really know and just kind of started network and um, just learn, you know, just get out there and learn different cultures, different people and, you know, and see where we can go. And uh, I'll have Vikas take a lead from there uh, since he was the starter on that. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a joint venture for sure. Um, but yeah, well said. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I spent a couple of 15 years working for a couple of medical software startups, you know, my training was in software development and I went back to business school in 2006 and got an idea for a business, which is Key Hubs. And uh, I quit my job uh, 11 years ago, almost to the day. It was Halloween night that we decided to make the leap um, 11 years ago. And, uh, you know, my it was a life-changing decision, right? Because it was the first time I, you know, jumped out of the nest and... Uh, out of the corporate setting and into kind of this unknown world of entrepreneurship. And uh, yeah, early on in the journey, I, I learned the power of, of networking with people and connecting. And it was, it was, a it, it took some time to learn the art of, of networking and, and not using it for just purely selfish reasons, but using it as a art and science of helping other people and, and, leveraging karma right to to grow and and get connected to opportunities and um through a long and winding road of connection as priya mentioned i got invited to teach as an adjunct at an inner city community college here in the cities and i thought i had a pretty diverse network you know being a child of immigrants having traveled the world um i thought my network was pretty diverse and having networked quite a while as an entrepreneur but when I started teaching at this college, uh, I realized my networks weren't diverse at all because in my classroom, I had students that were either home, some were homeless or had experienced homelessness. Um, many of them spent much of their adult life in prison. You know, they were coming from very um, unfavorable uh, circumstances, uh, overcoming unimaginable odds, you know, like. I, I, the stories that these students shared with me were just mind blowing. And I was at a point in my journey where I, I was really ready to soak up these stories because I was so tired of meeting the middle class professional with the, you know, usual LinkedIn profile. Like I was really ready, like where, where's the variety, right? And so I was getting a tremendous amount of richness from my students. And I came in with my own biases and prejudices and things, but they all like quickly got thrown out the window because I realized you really couldn't judge a book by its cover. And, um, you know, many of my students became friends of mine. Um, many of them I'm still connected to. So I taught there for three years as an adjunct, totally blew my mind and blew my networks open. And um, yeah, that ended up leading to a TEDx talk that I gave in 2017 about the power of open and diverse networks that, it's, it's normal based on sociological research, it's normal for us to gravitate towards sameness because it's comfortable, it's familiar, it's reinforcing to our value system. But actually growth, development, um, career success, business success comes from stepping into your comfort zone, a discomfort zone, getting out of your comfort zone, 
pushing the edges of discomfort, connecting with people that actually challenge your beliefs, challenge your assumptions, make you feel uncomfortable. Like that's where the growth is. There's friction, but if you can manage the friction and learn how to be a bridge between these different groups of people, you, you, you know, it changes your brain chemistry. It puts you in a position to be more innovative and, um, and, and that's what I was experiencing. Right. Uh, and, as I was stepping into more and more open, diverse networks and open by open network, what they, what the research suggests around that is like, if you think about your networks, you know, and where you spend your time, we're largely spending time in closed networks, meaning like there's definitive boundaries, like where you work, where you went to school, your neighborhood. It, it, it's, there's not a lot of like flow of different people coming in and out. But an open network is really where the magic is, where there aren't definitive boundaries. I, I like to, in my TED talk, I, I talk about how the difference between an open and closed network is if you imagine yourself as a sea creature, the difference between being in an open and closed network is like the difference between being in a, in a fishbowl or an aquarium versus swimming in the wide open sea. And when I stepped into the classroom at this college, community college in Minneapolis, it was like I had discovered a coral reef with fish I'd never seen before. And, you know, my eyes were just open. I couldn't get enough of it. And, and you know, uh, interestingly, that experience led to new opportunities that advanced my career, my business. Not that I, that's why I did it, but it's interesting that, like, that that was my experience. It was very consistent with what the business research suggests around the power of open, diverse networks. And so this has become a whole long journey. I've, I've blogged about this. I've spoken about it. My TED, TEDx talk led to many speaking engagements around this, inspiring people to step out of their comfort zone and connect with um, people who look and think different from you. And since all the happenings in Minneapolis and in our country, you know, the talk around diversity and inclusion and equity have, have resurfaced the um, a demand for this kind of conversation, right? And so, and so here we are. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it's just, there's so many things going through my head because, um, you know, honestly, the, the, I think the primary reason we were connecting today um, was one thing, but you've just added a whole other layer that fits in so perfectly with what we're trying to do on the podcast, which is, is share this the, this, these experiences and, and, you know, the, the knowledge and, and these ideas around how people can help build more inclusive places of work, right. And, and get to know new and different types of people to your point. And how do we go from a fishbowl to an aquarium, to an ocean of, of, you know, getting to know so many different kinds of people. So I, I love, I love this. Um, the, I, I want to get back to the connection part first and, and kind of talk about, so when we got on the call, you, you knew Nina, right. From, mm -hmm. from the past. Yeah. I just, right? I just realized that when you guys sent me that, when Priya sent me the zoom invite and I saw Nina's name, I was like, Oh my God, I think that might be the same Nina. I met 16 years ago in Miami <laughs> <laughs> once. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and just as we were talking uh, before you hit record, right, I met Nina because of uh, Shannon Mayorga, who I went to school with, high school and middle school with in Fairfield, Iowa. And um, 
you know, I graduated in 1990 from high school and I hadn't seen Shannon in, in 10 years. And we were planning our 10 year high school reunion, but we didn't have no one in our class. We had a very small class, but we, none of us had Shannon's contact information. It just so happens within a few months of us kind of trying to figure, like it was about a month or two before our high school reunion, I uh, was asked to go on a business trip to Atlanta. And um, I happened to, long story short, I happened to bump into Shannon at the Atlanta airport. Like we literally were walking past each other and we hadn't seen each other in 10 years. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, we exchanged contact information and I emailed the whole class, this whole story of how I bumped into Shannon. We were looking for him. And we had found him in the Atlanta airport and he, he was visiting, like, it's not like he was from Atlanta. He was, I think he was in Florida at the time. And we, so we both happened to be in Atlanta in the airport at the same time. And there's a long story of even how we crossed paths. I won't get into it here, but the chances of that happening were highly unlikely. Anyway, he didn't end up coming to the 10 year reunion, but we got reconnected. And a few years later, um, I was, I was sent to Miami on a business trip and I, I knew that Shannon lived there. So I messaged him. I'm like, Hey dude, I'm going to be down in Miami. You want to connect? He's like, yeah, let's, let's hang out. And so we met up and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, let's go to dinner. And a couple of my other friends are going to be there. And one of those friends was Nina. <laughs> no, it's, it's so crazy. And, uh, but at the same time, like, I think these types of things happen all the time when you come from, when people's hearts are in a place where they want to change the world. I, 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 you know, over the last 20 years of my professional career, I've had so many things like this happen. And I think that when you meet people who just have that same attitude about life, that same attitude about changing the world in, this, in some way or another, those paths are going to cross in multiple ways. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that it's, it's amazing because it's, and it's also just wonderful when you hear names that you haven't heard of in a long time, and then you bring you back to those wonderful memories too. I know, isn't it wild? Well, and, and so then from there, so now kind of want to get to the meat of the original reason we, we connected. Um, so, so Vikas, you met George Floyd. Can you, can you tell us how that happened? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, as I said, I, I love connecting and uh, I'm always open to connecting with people, you know, whoever. Right. And so there's a lot of lakes in Minneapolis. And a few years ago, I, I got a sailing membership at one of the more popular lakes in Minneapolis, Bede Makaska. That's right in the heart of the uptown area of Minneapolis. And um, I started sailing there in the summer of 2018. I take friends and family and it was a lot of fun. I loved it. But in 2019, uh, going into the summer of 2019, I was like, you know what? I, I want to just go down to the lake and like invite random people to come sailing with me because it's such a fun experience. Not a lot of people get the experience and it's a great like intimate setting to get to know people. And I love getting to know people over coffee or walk and talks, but like, why not over sailing and why not someone random? So last summer, summer of 2019, I started just going down to the lake and asking random people to go sailing with me. And I would generally like ask people who like I had a a belief or perception that maybe has never been on a sailboat, you know, because I want to really gift the experience to someone. So I started doing that. I did it, did it a couple times. And then one fine August afternoon, I went down there. And that, obviously, I, not everyone would take me up on the offer. Like, oftentimes, people would reject me or like, who's this creepy guy asking me to go sailing, right? And so one day I was down there. 
And I asked a couple people, they rejected me. And then I saw these two guys sitting at the picnic table and I, I just went up to them like, Hey, you guys want to go sailing? And you know, one of the guys was kind of hesitant. The other guy was, there was a big guy and a small guy and the small guy was kind of hesitant. The big guy was like, yeah, let's do this. And, um, that dude who said yes was George Floyd. Uh, I didn't know it at the time. Right. Uh, well, I mean, so we get on the boat and they're just nothing but smiles. Right. And we had, it was a perfect day to sail. It was, the wind was right. It was sunny and we had a great time sailing. Like it was like, we just instantly bonded and George was super jovial. Like they both had, his friend Alvin was, was with him. Alvin was a shorter guy. George, obviously big. Um, and they just, they had never been on a sailboat. So they were loving it. And we, we had great conversation and they were taking a lot of selfies. George was especially like, like a kid in a candy shop. And then there were points where we sat down and I asked them about their journey. And, you know, George talked to me about being from Houston, working in security um, and, you know, how he really loved Minneapolis and how he felt like it wasn't as racist up in Minneapolis as it was in Texas. And, people are super friendly and nice, which I've, that's always been my experience. So I felt really good. I was like, wow, it's really just two African-American males who are saying that they really like Minneapolis. Just it warmed my heart. Right. And I really enjoyed hanging out with them. And we, and, you know, we hugged and we exchanged numbers. We, we took a bunch of selfies. We even talked about getting together to sail again, but I never saw him again. Well, uh, yeah, I never, I never heard from him again. And um, and then, you know, uh, fast forward, uh, whatever, how many months was that, uh, you know, four or four, uh, but uh, four, fast forward nine months and, you know, George Floyd, you know, gets murdered and, uh, you know, lights our city on fire, literally and figuratively, and then go ahead and light the world on fire. Now, uh, I, you know, obviously so many of us were, uh, you know, upset, enraged by this whole thing. Like it, it just took our city and world by storm. And I start, and then like on June 4th, I went to George Floyd's memorial. You know, I went there, it was really intense. You know, it was like this interesting mix of celebration, protest, prayer, like tons of people. It was just unlike anything you'll ever experience. You know, it was like kind of festive, but in a sad way, it's hard to explain, but it was amazing. And I still didn't realize that I had sailed with George. I mean, I, there were, there was his murals were everywhere and pictures everywhere. And when it was around that time, when I went to the memorial that I made the connection that, oh yeah, they're talking about his life. And they said he was from Houston and that he worked in security. And I was like, you know, it had been eight, nine months since I sailed with George, but I was like, yeah, I didn't remember his name. Right. But I was like, I remember that big guy in the boat. He said he was from Houston and he worked in security. But I was like, then, oh, so here's the other thing. The day I went sailing with George and Alvin, I had, I had snapped a selfie and I shared it on Facebook. And I, I shared it kind of as a way to just say, look, you know, black people aren't scary. Like you should talk to them. <laughs> and it was a subtle way of saying like Black Lives Matter and also like an invitation for people who wanted to go sailing with me. So I, I shared the selfie and I just said, hey, I randomly asked these guys to go sailing with me today. We had a great time. If anyone else wants to go sailing, you know, shoot me a note. So I, I shared that the day of, which was like August 14th, 2019. So I had this picture and it just so happens that I lost all my other pictures because I got my, lost my phone four months after that sale and I didn't upload them. So I lost all my other photos of George because we had taken several photos. So that was my only photo. And I'm looking at that photo and I'm looking at all the, the murals of George, you know, super sad looking guy. And I'm like, this is not the same George. These two people are not, they can't be the same person. 
So I just was like, yeah, no, it can't be George Floyd, right? But then a couple weeks later, I was flipping through my journal. And it's so, like I do a lot of journaling. And it so happens that I was writing the names down, like a, lo a sailing log of, of the people I was taking sailing. And I happened to write Alvin and George's name down in my journal. And that's when I was like, oh my God, that was George Floyd. And then to confirm, I Googled his friend Alvin. And lo and behold, there were all these news outlets, uh, news outlets interviewing him, like on you know ABC News and CBC News and whatever. And I was like, wow. And so then, you know, I shared a post on Facebook um, about this experience. I like reshared the photo, and I'm like, guess what, everyone? This, this guy who looks really happy and smiling and strong and gentle and sweet—that's George Floyd. Now I hope that's the, the way we remember George Floyd. You know, so then that kind of blew up on Facebook, and then I ended up writing a blog post about it, and uh, Minneapolis Public Radio picked it up, and and then interviewed Alvin and myself by this time I had reconnected with Alvin I had like googled him and found that there was like a a GoFundMe page for him that one of his neighbors had started and I reached out to the neighbor and I'm like hey I sailed with Alvin and George and they she reconnected us now Alvin and I are are good friends we talk like almost every other day and we've been to the Flo Floyd Memorial together and and so NPR interviewed us and so yeah I mean just mind numbing serendipity you know, and like what are so many things had to happen for me to have a George Floyd experience, you know, for, for us to capture that moment together. It's, it's really unreal. Like I've had a lot of serendipity, like with Shannon and now Nina, but this George Floyd serendipity like has topped it all. Vickis, I really appreciate you sharing that story and the, um, and it brings me so much, so much emotion. Um, it's, it's hard for me to, uh, you know, think of this and I mean, there, there, there are songs and all, I mean, there's so much that's happened in the last four or five months, you know, with uh, the, the global fire that George Floyd um, was uh, uh, unfortunately part of. Right. And, uh, but I, I'd love to, you know, the, you're 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 talking about this open networking you're talking about putting yourself in this uncomfortable position and in which i, I agree you'd be like this it so fits what we're what the choose inclusion podcast is all about um so i i, I love the connection component of of this story i just can do, do you remember i mean like can you share more like you know you're out there sailing and i've i've never been sailing so i don't know is it is it a 30 minute experience is it a 90 minute experience is it is it half a day like you know like you like you get to know people like i i feel like you can get to know people in in minutes it doesn't take months or years if you share those kind of intimate environments can you you know i don't know if you share that same kind of thought process but can you can you share more about that boat that sailing day Sure. Yeah, it's true. Like sailing is a very meditative experience. It's very therapeutic. And I've taken like long time friends on boat sails. They're us I usually sail from anywhere from two to four hours. Usually um, when I sailed with George and his friend Alvin, we were probably on the lake for a couple hours. Um, and, and what I've found is that it, it opens people up because it's a very intimate setting and like you're in nature, you're on the water. And so it some friends who I, like I said, I've been with friends for many years and I take them on the sailboat and they share things they'd never shared with me before. I'm like, where did this come from? Must be the sailboat, must be the sailing experience. So yeah, I mean, it like we just bonded, you know, uh, we, we didn't know each other, but there was immediate trust and friendliness. 
George was the more outgoing, um, jovial, uh, just a really bright, positive guy. I experienced him as being a gentle giant, super appreciative, very gracious. He didn't talk much about his past, you know. Um, and uh, Alvin was a little more serious, a little more like shy, but but happy, you know. And I think as our time on the boat progressed, they both opened up more and more, and um, were very appreciative of the experience. And and you know it was they felt like especially George they felt like what what the thing that makes brings me the most joy about that experience, especially since George is no longer with us, is that um, they especially George he just exuded pure joy, like he was just so grateful for being for having a um, it like to me it felt like they were having. Um, a privileged experience that they didn't expect to have. And they were super grateful for it. Um, and, and really like took it in and, you know, like George was like jumping up on, <laughs> on the um, front of the boat and like pumping it. I mean, you see, he's like pumping his, his, his arms and he was just super happy, you know? And what's so interesting is we all took a bunch of photos. I lost my phone Alvin lost his phone, George's phone, couldn't recover the photos. The only photo that we had from that day was the one photo I shared on Facebook. And it is the photo that I think embodies what we were all feeling. We are all smiling. We're all happy. It's like we've been friends forever, but we had just met. And I think that's what, um, that is what is available for all of us. You know, we, we put up these walls around ourselves and each other but especially now you know with COVID and masks and whatever I realize it's a health issue but I imagine that when COVID is gone my hope and prayer is that we will you know connect with more open hearts and and that we'll be more trusting of each other and and um, extend a hand to people that might be hurting and um, bridge connections through genuine friendship well and selfishly that i mean that's why I, I was so excited to have you both on on the episode today because there is going to come a point after the election where connection is what's probably going to save us and mm-hmm. i want people to 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 hear because it's like you you know people have only one idea or one kind of criteria that they assess people by, right? And so when people who support a, a, a certain side think of George Floyd, they think they think drug addict or they think criminal, right? And they only have mm-hmm. one picture of him. Mm-hmm. And it's such BS. Like it's just that there's multiple layers to every single person. And the only way you can find that out is through these connections, mm-hmm. um, whether they're deliberate or whether they're serendipitous. And uh, I just, I think people need to think about that before they just make these black and white decisions about, well, he was wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's oh, yeah. like, to your point, like that's not the George, like it's just, it makes no sense. You didn't even think it was that George. 
And, and that's, what's just so like heartbreaking to me, but also like, I want people to hear this story so that they know, like, these are the, these are the connections that are going to save us and they have to, because right now the, the, the other path doesn't, doesn't bode well for any of us. Yeah. Yeah. I think these people, I mean, it's easy to write people off as this, that, or the other. Right. But when you get to know a person on a human level, um, you, you can appreciate every aspect of their journey. You know, that's what really um, transformed me when I taught at, at MCTC, because, you know, there was the, there was the Caucasian person who would come on in a suit every day. And he, you know, he, he, you wouldn't think that he was some kind of, you know, because of your biases, you think, well, this person is like an average middle-class person in America, but, th but then you t hear their story and they're like, Oh no, I spent my whole adult life in prison for, for armed burglary and drug addiction. And you're like, Whoa, really? Tell me about that story. Like, what was it like in prison? You know? And, and we bonded over like, and this is a Caucasian guy telling me this story. Right. And then, and then you meet the African American guy with like gold plated teeth, you know, it looks totally, you know, you, you all of a sudden have all these biases, right. Or like this person must be like this, that, and the other. And maybe there's some of that in their, in their story, but like, they're the most articulate, um, uh, high performing student in your class. Um, and you're like, yeah, you, you just can't make any, you can't just, judge people based on how they look right and then and then it was like diving into the, like I had a lot of George Floyd type people in my class like there's one guy in particular uh Gary uh who I'm still connected to African-American male you know he he spent seven years in a crack house you know addicted to crack there's you know no life nothing you know obviously a variety of things got him there and and then he got like arrested for trying to like steal something, went to prison. And, and that's when he like surrendered um, to God, you know, and he, he had kind of this, he fell to his knees in, in his prison cell. And when he came out of prison, he got into, um, I think it's, he said it was called Teen Challenge. Does that sound right? Some kind of like Christian-based rehabilitation program. And, and over a course of a year or two, he like, he like found Christ and turned his whole life around, never touched drugs again, totally. And now he's self-sufficient, just bought a home with his, with his girlfriend, the most stand-up guy that, uh, that I taught, but he came from, he was the drug addict, the whatever, you know what I'm saying? But like, to me, he was a, mir a walking, living miracle because it's easy for you and I, you know, born into a middle-class privileged family to have success and get our feet on the ground because we have everything lined up for us. But Gary, for Gary, he had all the odds were stacked against him and he was in the pits of the pits, you know, in the gutter, as most people would say. And yet through the grace of the divine, he found a way to turn his life around. And so many of my students were like that. So when I saw George and Alvin sitting there, like to me, they, I was drawn to them because I knew they had some kind of rich, interesting story <laughs> that'd be far different than just meeting another Indian guy, you know, or another Caucasian guy, you know what I mean? At Lake Cal, at this lake, you know, in, in this nice part of, of, you know, whatever, Minneapolis. So, so I'm really drawn to that because to me, it's, it's like, that's what we should be celebrating and studying and wondering like, how does that happen? And isn't this a miracle? Like there was, there was one student in my class 
who was shot three times for stealing crack. And he, you know, he somehow lived to tell about it. You know, lived that he was in prison. And he told me all kinds of crazy stories. And it was, it was so rich. It was so rich and amazing. And so the people who write off George as a drug addict or, what, or a criminal, yes, he did all those things. But you know what's miraculous? Is that he's now reading the Bible and he, he has a stable job and he's trying to like make his life, you know, somewhat normal. Like I tip my hat. Because if I was born into those situations and went through all that, I might have just like taken my own life or, you know, still been in prison. And certainly there, there are people who, who go down that path, but there's many who come out. And, and, and that's what we should be like. I feel blessed because I know people who've, who've lived that experience, who've went from the darkness to the light. And like when I say darkness, I'm talking really dark. And that doesn't just happen to people who are marginalized. It happens to the best of us. We all know someone who's, who's born into fine circumstances, but goes to that really dark place and sometimes to the point of no return. And that's super sad. Um, but there's, there's richness in, in these connections. And I feel sad when I hear people write others off based on the color of their skin or based on, you know, their past uh, everyone has the opportunity to turn their life around on a dime through, through God's grace. Priya, do you have anything you want to add to? Uh, sure. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would add the same thing. You know, um, obviously we've all heard uh, about George's past and how he did it. I mean, shouldn't shouldn't everybody be given a second chance? You know, and I think. Um, with his experience uh, spending time with Vikas, it seemed like he was really trying to forget what happened in the past. He was really reliving the new life and trying to, you know, somewhat come out of it. And we should all, you know, focus on that, not on the what the past was for everyone, you know, or what the people did in, you know, in the earlier age. Or So it's like what they're doing now or how they're trying to get out of it. And that that's what we should celebrate. And that's what we should, you know, um, look at absolutely and uh i just i think it's amazing that um the 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 stories you you shared with us today i mean it's it's a lesson for all of us to recognize that we're we're all human at the end of the day and we're living in a world where it's so easy to dehumanize uh anyone that we perceive as other and um i think it's so important that we recontextualize everything about our relationships and connections with everyone around us and so i just want to thank you both for joining us on the podcast today and sharing these stories i think our listeners will um definitely walk away with some hopefully like good insights and uh ways to reframe how we're thinking about how we connect with one another so thank you again for joining us thank yeah, you absolutely. thank you thank for you. having us Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much, guys. Uh, this was a um, uh, not a we we get to meet with so many amazing guests, and this is uh, this is not a uh, interview I am going to soon forget. So thank you for sharing just uh, just a joyful way of looking at the world. Vikas Priya, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. And thank you, UB Mike, for for the wonderful co-hosting as usual. Um, please, to all of our listeners, come back to chooseinclusion.com to listen to all of the episodes that we've had. If you haven't listened to all of them already, um, we are pushing stuff out onto Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music now regularly. 
And uh, thank you for joining us and listening to us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all next time. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com, and contact us on Twitter at chooseinclusion.